Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our holiday series, A Christmas Carol, based off the Charles Dickens classic novel. 2020 has been a difficult year that triggers the inner Scrooge in all of us, but we're going to learn how to trade in our bah humbug attitude for the true joy of Christmas. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you'll leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Meet Ebenezer Scrooge, an old miser who hates Christmas. Ah, humbug. It's a story that has captured the imagination for generations. Through his encounter with a ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, he finds redemption and transformation. For many, the most wonderful time of the year isn't so wonderful. A painful past or our own insecurities can overshadow the joy of God in our lives. What if this year could look different? Confront your inner Ebenezer with God's amazing grace. With the Spirit's help, you can trade your bar humbug for the true joy of Christmas. A Christmas Carol. Well, Feliz Navidad, Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Kyra, and it is a privilege to be here with you all today, whether you're here at Liquid or whether you're seeing this via church online. Now, today we're going to kick off a special three-week Christmas series called A Christmas Carol, and it's based on the Charles Dickens classic tale by the same name. Now, quick show of hands, how many of you have actually read or seen, let's be honest, A Christmas Carol. Anybody? Okay, well I didn't grow up in the US, but the influence of American movies made it to my Puerto Rican sala, my living room, where I first met the character of Ebenezer Scrooge. And if you're not familiar with the story, Ebenezer Scrooge is this miser whose love of money left him leading a lonely life. It's probably the reason why some of you have called someone a Scrooge. Well, Charles Dickens describes him this way. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone. Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Who here has a (laughs) mother-in-law? We love our mother-in-laws. Uh, you may remember Scrooge mistreats his employee, Bob Cratchit. And when he's invited to a Christmas party, Scrooge actually dismisses the invitation by responding with perhaps the most famous line from a Christmas carol. Guys ready? Church, ba, what's the word? Humbug. Now I wanna invite all of you to say it with the Scrooge inside of us, COVID-19, here we go. Bah humbug. Gosh, if there ever was a year to say it or type it in the chat, 2020 is a bah humbug year. Well, here's how the story unfolds. On Christmas Eve, Scrooge has a visitor. Someone enters his front door and he sees not his former partner, Jacob Marley, but actually Marley's ghost. Now, I remember as a little girl in Puerto Rico seeing Marley's ghost, and I'm thinking it actually looks more like Halloween because he's got all these chains 
and all that weight lugging it around. And Marley actually warns Scrooge, you're about to be haunted by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And when the ghost of Christmas past comes, we see that he has a brightly lit head. He is in the shape of a candle, sent to illuminate Scrooge on a journey into his past of Christmases from his earlier years. Now, I watched um, the Jim Carrey movie, this movie that you're seeing here, with my daughter this week. And you know what I thought? I was like, I actually think Scrooge gets kind of a bad rap. Like, if you've ever met someone who's kind of a Scrooge, who's kind of a crank, someone who's always seeing the worst of life, who always has his uh, glass half empty, you realize stuff's actually happened to them. And that's what happens in this story. Scrooge actually has had a string of hurts in his life. We see his father left him alone at the boarding school where he grew up, which meant that everybody else got to go home for Christmas except Ebenezer Scrooge. And Scrooge also falls in love with this beautiful woman named Belle. And she ends up leaving Scrooge once she realizes that his love for money has actually replaced his love for her. She's been replaced by an idol. And she leaves him, and his heart is hurt. And all these hurts left Scrooge as a miserable old man because he never learned to overcome his hurts and he never learned to overcome his offenses. Instead, he held on to them. And in the process, he made himself and everyone around him miserable. And all three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of yet to come, hope to help Scrooge deal with his bitter ways and help him catch the true spirit of Christmas. That's what this series is about. And today I want to talk about a message that I've titled Overcoming Offenses. And it's special because God actually has done a lot of work in my own life in this area. Now, show of hands, how many of you know someone who is easily offended? Raise your hand if you know someone who'd be offended, you're raising your hand. <laughs> All of us have been hurt and we've been offended. And I'm not talking about petty stuff, like when someone posts a picture on Facebook or Instagram and all of a sudden I'm offended. I'm actually talking about the hurt that we feel, for example, at a spouse's nitpicking or a boss's unfair criticism or when your best frenemy makes you the butt of the joke. And because we've all been hurt in the past, we can all resonate with the character Scrooge. Now, something you probably don't know about A Christmas Carol is that while the name Scrooge comes from Dickens, the word Ebenezer actually comes from the Bible. Let me show you where. If you turn to 1 Samuel 7, there's a story there about how the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant when the country of Israel was in disarray. But the Israelites, they turned their hearts back to the Lord and they decide they're gonna make a sacrifice. And so when the Philistines attacked, the Israelites won 
and, the, and a spiritual monument is set up by the prophet Samuel to commemorate the victory. And here's what the Bible says. Samuel took a stone and set it up. He named it Ebenezer, saying, for the Lord has helped us. So you see, Charles Dickens didn't give Scrooge the first name Ebenezer at random. It's actually because a Christmas carol is the story of how God helps somebody who is stuck in his miserly ways. And because there's an inner Scrooge inside all of us, today I'm going to be showing you how God can help you overcome your inner Scrooge so that in Christmas 2020, we actually don't have to say bah humbug, but actually can say joy to the world. So to unpack this, I actually want to flip forward 10 chapters to 1 Samuel 17. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to your chapter with me. Now you probably all know this story. This is the famous story of David and Goliath, but I want to look at it today a little differently through the lens of a Christmas carol. And as you read this, I want you to see it through the eyes of Ebenezer, who had an offended spirit. He was a bah humbug. And he had all these chains from his past. Now David could actually have become a Scrooge. But in this story, David has a pivotal moment in his life. So as you read this, I want you to notice the three different voices who all try to offend David and keep him chained to his past. Now, when we pick up the story, the army of Israel is facing their arch enemy, the Philistines. And for 40 days, the Philistine Goliath, who's described as a nine foot giant, has challenged every Israelite soldier to come out and fight him. He's hurling insults at the Israelites. And so far, everyone who's seen Goliath has actually fled from him in fear until a 15 year old Jewish boy named David hears what Goliath is saying, and here's his response. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What a great insult, by the way. Next time somebody offends you, you call them an uncircumcised Philistine. See how they like it. <laughs> but David's brother, he doesn't appreciate his question. And what happens next is the first offense that's thrown at David, which comes courtesy of his family. So let's keep reading to hear what David's brother responded. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? I know how conceited you are. I know how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, anybody here has an older sibling who's always looking down on you? This is a massive knife to the heart of David. I want you to think about it, okay? David, he's just coming into the battlefield to help and deliver food, and his older brother's like, why are you even here? you little punk. You're so arrogant. He's calling David conceited. That's offensive. And not only that, he questions David's motives. He says, David, your heart is wicked. Gosh, nothing hurts more than when someone questions your motives. In fact, sometimes I'll say, as a leader, you can question my decisions. 
but don't question my heart. And this is David, people, a man after God's own what? Heart. And his family's not only insulting him, they're, they're offending him publicly. They said, David, you only came down here to watch the battle, you little punk. Can anybody here think of a time when a family member said something flat out offensive to you or questioned your heart and your motives? Maybe for you, the ghosts of Christmas past are made up of offenses, like at Thanksgiving dinner two weeks ago, when your aunt made a passive-aggressive dig at your kids, and it offended you. And then, to add insult to injury, you went online to wish a happy Thanksgiving to all of your friends on social media, and you discovered that half of them didn't even respond, and the other half got together for a Zoom Thanksgiving without you. It's upsetting. Like, anybody here have friction with a family member? And now you're not looking forward to seeing them this Christmas? Well, in A Christmas Carol, when Marley's ghost comes to warn Scrooge, Marley is wearing chains. And you want to know why? Because if you stay chained to your past, it actually will impact your present. And some of you here today have these chains from your family that are dragging you back. That's what happened to Scrooge. His father left him all alone at boarding school for Christmas, and that situation chained him to the past. You see, every time we are offended, we have a choice. We can pick up the offense and put it on, adding one more link to the chain that's keeping you from your destiny, or you can choose to overlook the offense. Now, David chose to overlook the offense his brother threw at him because he was a man that didn't allow past hurts to hinder his future. His brother threw shade at him, but it wasn't enough to get David to fall out of step with the Spirit. So he was able to reject the label his family imposed on him. And with that simple decision, he steps into his destiny. Why? Because David understands what I want all of you today to understand, what I want all of you to repeat after me uh, with all of your heart. Here we go. My life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to my past. Let's say it with me, church. Let's say it again. My life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to my past. If David had allowed his brother's taunts to get the best of him, he would have missed out. He would have missed out on his calling, but instead he overcomes the offense. Now, I want to be really clear that overlooking an offense is not the same as pretending it didn't happen. It's actually the opposite. You know it did happen but you make a conscious decision to let it go. It's almost like an in-the-moment decision to forgive. And it's a choice that's presented to us, real-time decision that we need to make. Am I gonna pick up the offense or am I gonna let it go? Let me give you an example of what I mean. Early one Monday morning this past summer, I made the mistake of looking at my email first thing in the morning. It wasn't even 6 a.m. I don't recommend it, church. And I saw that I had received a message from a man who in no uncertain terms told me 
that the fact that I didn't grow up in the United States and that I had lived in Puerto Rico for over 30 years made it clear I didn't understand American history and therefore I should refrain from having an opinion about the racial conflict in the US. Now I'll confess, his email was a trigger. It brought me back to a saying we actually have in Spanish, las mujeres hablan cuando las gallinas orinan. I know my Spanish peeps from Essex or Garwood understood me, but for everyone's benefit, let me loosely translate this saying. Women speak when chickens pee. And since chickens don't need to pee, it's a Puerto Rican thing, don't worry about it, <laughs> then it suggests that women should actually be silent at all times. And that's how I read his email, that I should be quiet like I'd been told in the past. And at the time, I was like, Oh, no, he didn't. Was I offended? Oh, you bet. Did I pretend it didn't happen? Of course not. My heart was racing. My hands got sweaty. I got a pit in my stomach. I couldn't even physically pretend that it wasn't real. But did I choose to overlook the offense? Well, here's what happened. I had to go talk to the Holy Spirit, also known as my husband, Jose. And I said, mi amor, you're never gonna believe what someone just said to me in an email. And I went to show him the message and I remember he put his arms on my shoulder and he said, wow, that's offensive. But you know what, mi amor? I just think you need to let it go. And I knew he was right. But the question was, how? How do I let it go? Well, I started to pray. And the Holy Spirit brought him, uh, to mind a Proverbs, found in Proverbs 19. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now, church, did you know that one of the best ways that you can bring glory to Jesus is when you overlook an offense? We think we only bring glory to Jesus when we serve the poor or we serve here at church, but actually one of the ways that you bring glory to Jesus is when you let go of an offense. And as I was thinking about this first, I was like, man, this is gonna be hard for me to swallow. Like my flesh doesn't wanna do it. But I asked God for help and I realized I actually have here an opportunity to bring God glory if I overcome, if I overlook the offense. You see, letting go of an offense doesn't mean we let the offender off the hook. It's actually that we choose to surrender the offender to the Lord and worry more about the condition of our own heart. And for me, it meant I'm just not going to respond to his email because my life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to my past. To overlook an offense, much like David did, is to make the conscious decision that you're not gonna let an offense derail you from your calling. And again, we see David doing that when he gets insulted for the second time. And this time, it's not his family, but actually, it's his boss. It's from someone in authority at the hands of none other than the king of Israel himself. You see, when David was speaking to his brother Eliab, the men overheard him, and so they went and they reported him to Saul, and they were like, um, uh, King, we got good news and bad news. The good news is that after 40 days, we finally have someone who wants to whoop Goliath's butt. Uh, the bad news is that he's a young little shepherd boy 
And understandably, Saul is less than thrilled. And look at what verse 32 says. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And him, meaning Goliath, has been a warrior since his youth. In other words, David, you're not the right person for the job. You're too young, you're too small, and you're too inexperienced. Ay, muchacho. Saul's so condescending. Talk about making it personal. He's making David feel small and belittled. He's basically saying, David, bless your heart. But I'm sorry, you're not like me. You're skinny, you're scrawny, and you're small. And I would imagine it was inevitable for David to compare himself to Saul. I mean, this is Saul. He's the king. He's a decorated warrior. So perhaps he also felt intimidated. But you know what? I actually think some of the deepest chains that we have dragging us down comes when we get offended by those in authority over us. Maybe you're sitting here today and you have different people who are in authority over you in life. For some of you, it may be at work. There's a shift leader who just loves to criticize you. They just love to pick on your faults. You're not quick enough. You're not friendly enough. Your fries are too soggy. That's my imitation of your shift leader. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like for some others of us, it may be our parents. Because let's be honest, I don't know about you, but there's something about the holidays where all of a sudden I'm like 12 years old and all I can do is hear about my parents telling me something that I'm not doing well. Well, when Saul accuses David of not being the right person for the job, it's clear that in Saul's eyes, David was a loser. But David knew his life is too short and his calling too great to stay chained to the past. So he responds to Saul and he reminds him, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. In other words, Saul, you may think there's no way I can win, but in God's economy, there's no way I can lose. So I'm not gonna let your petty offense derail me from my destiny because my life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to the past. Now, like David, I too have experienced my fair share of criticism. In fact, a good friend always reminds me, if I'm not being criticized, I'm not leading. So I understand at times people are not going to be happy with the decisions that have to be made. It's what we call a job hazard when you're in leadership. And up until recently, I prided myself on being pretty good about overlooking offenses. But I'll be honest, recently, someone said some really harsh comments about me. And at first I was like, eh, whatever, they're a jerk. It's their problem, not mine anyway. But then after a couple of weeks, I tried to have my quiet time with the Lord. My thoughts would start drifting towards the person and I realized the Holy Spirit was asking me, ¿Qué está pasando, Kaira? What's happening? 
Why are these persons' remarks offending you so much? So I went to my Bible, and I started looking for some passages on forgiveness. And I came across Colossians 3.13, and it hit me right in the face. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know what allowances are? It's when you give someone to, something to someone who didn't earn it. Here, kid, here's your allowance. You get a free pass. And so I asked God to help me give my offender a free pass. And I felt like I did. I, I did it. I gave him a, pre, a free pass. It was good. I'd moved on. Until two weeks ago, when I went on vacation, and during my time off, I started writing this message. And wouldn't you know it, there I am in my home office on a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm writing a message on overcoming offenses when I felt the Holy Spirit asking me, you want to get up here and tell people their life is too short, their calling is too great, to remain chained to the past, then you better start getting real and confess why is it that you haven't been able to overcome this offense. Church, the Spirit is preaching to the preacher. And, I, and so I began to allow the Spirit to search me. And I realized the reason why I hadn't been able to move on was because this wasn't the first time that I'd been the recipient of harsh words from this same person. And I was upset that the past had come back again to hurt me in my present. I was disillusioned that our relationship couldn't progress the way that I wanted to. And to be honest, I was also angry at myself because I felt like I was caring too much about the whole thing in the, in the first place. And so right then and there, I said, Lord, can you help me get over this offense because my life is too short and my calling is too great to stay chained to the past. With laser-like focus, David does not allow any of these offenses to hinder him from his mission. He's been called into God's plans, and he's been called into God's purposes, and he's not going to let anything stand in the way, not his family, not people in authority. And that's why when the third and final offense comes, this time in the way of enemy intimidation, David is able to confront the lies and intimidating threats of the enemy by expressing confidence in the Lord. Look at verse 42. Goliath looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? There was nothing, literally nothing, in David that struck fear in Goliath's heart. In fact, Goliath felt insulted that the Israelites had actually sent David to fight him. So when he asked, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath is flat out mocking David. Your spear looks like a toothpick. 
compared to me. He's taunting David. Goliath's like that pebble in the shoe that just keeps irritating you. It's the person who's constantly belittling you, who annoys and irritates you. He's offensive. And to Goliath, David was an insignificant loser, a nobody. And isn't that what our enemy, the accuser that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, wants to make us believe that we should believe everything people say about us and that we deserve everything that's happened to us because we're nobody. We're insignificant. We're unimportant. But not David. David is a man set apart by God, in tune with his creator. And so he's able to stand against the accusations of his enemy because his life is too short and his calling is too great to stay chained to the past. Can you imagine if David had stayed offended by his brother, by Saul, by Goliath, if he would have thought, well, maybe I am too young. Or maybe I am too conceited. Maybe I'm not the right person for the job. You know what? I'm just going to pick up my stones. I'm just going to go home. If he had done that, he would have missed his calling. His entire destiny would have passed him by. Instead, David knows that his life is too short and his calling too great to stay chained to the past. And you know the thing about offenses? is that it doesn't have to be this big, dramatic betrayal. In fact, a lot of the times, it's little things. But those little things add up one by one by one until it becomes another link in your chain. And typically, when we feel hurt, we start to rehearse the offense. I can't believe that I just got into this office and my coworker didn't say hello to me. What a cold fish. Oh, uh, of course. Oh, now I get an email because they need something done. It's all about what I can do, but it's never about who I am. You know what? I'm not going to respond. I see how she likes it when someone ignores them. And on and on and on. We start to rehearse the offense until we start linking these things together. And now I'm carrying around the weight of this offense in my life. And when we rehearse an offense, it actually becomes a prison of our own making, which is exactly what happens to Scrooge's business partner, Marley. When Marley's ghost visits Scrooge for the first time, Scrooge actually hears the clanking of the heavy chains the ghost is carrying before he actually even sees the ghost. And when he asked Marley, how did you become in prison like that? The ghost replied, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard, I girded it on my own free will, and of my own free will, I wore it. This is how we become chained to our past, when each offense becomes a new link to our chain, and we don't even realize it. We actually think the absence of external restraints means that we're free, when in fact it's our offensive spirit that's keeping us in bondage. We think we're doing all right, but the condition of our heart is poor. And in my office, 
that day when I asked Jesus, can you help me overcome this offense that I was nursing? I remember I closed my eyes and it wasn't a vision from heaven that I saw, it was my offender's face. And I'll be honest, I said, Lord, I can't do it. You know what they said. But I felt the Holy Spirit searching me. And so I said, Lord, I need your help. And all of a sudden, I opened my mouth and I began to sing. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Right there, God tenderly reminded me, I don't need to live chained to the past. I don't need to live in a prison of my own making. I don't need to live holding on to ghosts. His forgiveness is what sets me free. And by his grace and in the power of his love, I can release the offense. I can let it go. And I wonder, Who's offended you that you need to bring before Jesus and ask for his help to let go of the offense? Because when David faces Goliath, he is over the offense. And he agrees it isn't a fair fight. Not because of anything that Goliath said or did, but because David is coming in the name of the Lord and the battle is over and anyone with any spiritual understanding knows it. And as Goliath is taunting David, David goes and he picks up one, two, three, five stones and he said, Goliath, you can taunt me, you can mock me, you can say whatever you want to say, amigo, but I come at you in the name of the Lord, in the name of the God who has heavenly armies at his command, and this battle belongs to him. It's O-V-E-R, and with one whip of his sling, David hits him right between the eyes conquers the giant and walks straight into his destiny. I know somebody here wants to give God some praise. Come on, church. Do you know that I actually think that's when David became king? It didn't happen until years later, but that was a transformational moment because it showed David had a heart big enough to rely on God, big enough to overcome all of these offenses and conquer his giant. My life is too short 
and my calling too great to stay chained to the past. And with God's help, we can start to release the offense and let it go. We can begin to overlook it. We can see God and help him start to change our hearts. That's how we remember how we can actually help to overlook the offenses. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgives me, so I'm called to forgive others. So how do we do it? How can we forgive what we can't forget? How do we forgive people who hurt us or even worse, people who hurt people we love? How do we leave our chains in the past this Christmas and we avoid being haunted by Marley's ghost? I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Kyra, I would love to. I'd love to step over an offense. I'd love to forgive and listen to what God says and not the enemy, but I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And you want to know what, church? You're right. But guess what? This is where the name Eben Ebenezer comes in because what did we learn the name Ebenezer means say it with me church the Lord has helped us church I am declaring this is an Ebenezer moment for some of you this is a moment for God to drive a mile marker in your spiritual journey and say I am here to help you get past your past my son Jesus is your Ebenezer and Jesus can help you because he overcame offenses too. Did you know that church? Like David, Jesus was offended by his family. His mother and his brothers actually thought that he was crazy. Like David, Jesus was criticized by authority. The Pharisees called him a blasphemer, said he was a drunkard, named him a glutton. And like David, Jesus was accused by the enemy. He was taunted by Roman soldiers. As he's hanging in the cross, they say, if you're the Christ, come down from that cross. But he faced the offense only this time. He was the one who took the spear to the side. Jesus had the ability to overcome his offenses so he can help you too. And with the Lord's help, we can overcome this. We can forgive because he first forgave us. And do you know what nailed Jesus to the cross? Our offenses, we were offensive to God and he freely forgave us and so we must freely forgive others. My life is too short. I'm not going to rehearse this offense. My calling is too big, so I'm going to release the offense. And one day, I promise you, church, you're going to wake up and you won't just say, my life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to the past, you'll actually say, because of Ebenezer, I am over the offenses. 
It doesn't hold me back anymore. I am over it. Because of God's grace, I've let it go. Because of God's love, I've forgiven it. I'm over it. I have stepped over it. I've let it go. I have overcome the offense with God's help. The ghost of Christmas past helped Scrooge go from a bitter miser to a compassionate soul. And for all of us here today, there's another ghost waiting to help you too, and it's the Holy Ghost. So you want to experience a breakthrough today? You want to let go of the chains of your past? You want to receive his love and overcome the offenses in your life, whoever they come from? Then let me remind you, church, let's all say this, one voice all together, my life is too short and you're calling too great to stay chained to the past. And when the enemy comes at you and tempts you to keep yourself imprisoned, I want you to remember, Ebenezer, with Jesus' help, we can forgive. And even though it won't change what happened in the past, it will change what happens in the future. The ghost of Christmas past will never travel with us again because our chains have been broken and there is nothing that's too big for the power of the cross. Nothing that when placed at the foot of the cross, Jesus can't transform. Amen, church? Well, in a few minutes, I'm gonna be leading you in prayer. But first, I actually want to invite you here to have a moment. Because I know some of you right now are actually thinking of the person who's offended you. And you need to release it. And so wherever you are, I want you to lean with your hands out to have a sacred moment between you and the Lord. And I want to invite you, church, to repeat these words after me. God, I thank you for my life. But my life is too short and my calling too great to stay chained to the past. Lord, I need your help to release my offense, to release my offender. Will you be my help, Jesus? Will you be my Ebenezer? Lord, I know that I have offended you many times, and every time you forgive me. And so I thank you for your help in forgiving others. In Jesus' name, I declare that you are my help to get over this offense. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.